Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big-time defensive play! No holds barred. I pity the fool. It's the Fizz Five. Five! Welcome back, Orange Nation. We've got a big one to break down. Syracuse takes down NC State 24-9, the 18th-ranked Orange, usurping the 15th-ranked Wolfpack in the JMA Dome. Ian Unsworth, Liam Griffin with me. We've got a lot to talk about, Liam. But first and foremost, how about this? Syracuse's first ranked-on-ranked win in the Dome since 01. Man, I... I I was just a, a little one at that time. And now Syracuse going bowling, 6-0 and for the first time since 87. Everything's trending upward for this team. Yeah, Ian, I wasn't even born the last time Syracuse beat a ranked on or won a ranked on ranked matchup in the Dome. That's how long it's been. And, you know, storming the field was a little controversial from my eyes, but fans are excited and they have every reason to be. And storm, the field storming is – is questionable with a backup quarterback. I agree, and I know, Liam, you broke that down in greater detail on the website, theorangefizz.com. You can catch all of our articles there, as well as on Twitter with some extra content flowing through as well, at orangefizz, at orangefizz on Twitter. Check both of those out because we'll have a lot of good stuff coming out this week. Yesterday, I did Stock Up, Stock Down. That's a weekly series, and, of course, we got a lot of stock ups uh, stock up on this whole team, Liam, first and foremost. And I think the, the goalposts have shifted going forward for this Syracuse team. Our first topic, what do you consider a successful season? Number one. All right, Liam, I'll, I'll pass it off to you for a second. Eight wins, 10 wins, uh, you know, New Year's Day, you know, one of those big five bowl games. I, I think the playoffs out of reach, but what do you consider a truly successful season for Dino Babers now that the bar is this high? Well, now that you're 6-0, and it completely reshifts everything. At the beginning of the season, the expectation was you get to a bowl, then you've got happy Orange fans. But now that you've started 6-0, and it completely reshapes that level of thinking because if Syracuse, God forbid this happen, if Syracuse loses out, it's a failure. You can't start 6-0 and and then end up in – I don't know, the Fenway Bowl when you've got New Year's Six possibilities on your mind. So when you look at that as well as what's down the line, Ian, I think 10 wins has to be considered a successful season. That and, gives you – go ahead. Oh, I'm just saying you got a, a weak Notre Dame team coming in the Dome. BC at the end of the year should be an easy one. And you go, you go on the road to, to Pitt, which lost to Georgia Tech a couple weeks ago. I mean, Wake Forest is good, but they're not they're – not, you know, world beaters and Syracuse always plays well against Clemson. Yeah, exactly. And the two I'm looking at where you're going to be like, okay, losing to that team is acceptable are Clemson and Wake Forest. The Tigers may have, may have college football playoff in their not too distant future. And the Demon Deacons have one of the best offenses, not just in the ACC, in the entire country, especially since Hartman came back. But other than that, Ian, the schedule isn't as difficult as we foresaw it being at the start of the season. Pitt is not as good as we thought they were going to be. And you said it, they lost to Georgia Tech. I mean, come on. The Yellow Jackets just fired their head coach. Austin College is not good, even though I thought they were going to be before the season. Florida State has tailed off after their strong start. And Notre Dame stinks. 
They've lost to Stanford and Marshall at home. Need I say more about the caliber of the Irish? No, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there. Notre Dame is nothing to write home about. Bad offense, going to be even worse with the dome crowd rocking. Might be another sellout. I mean, I think that's it will even be. I think that's either that's an even bigger brand coming in. I think a success for Syracuse is nine and three, right? Nine and three at least ensures you're not in a pinstripe bowl, Fenway bowl, one of those early December bowl games that doesn't really matter. But it also gives you a little leeway for, you know, you lose to Clemson. All right. Nobody's no, you can't get mad about that. You lose another one on the road, whether it's Pitt or Wake Forest. Okay. You know, as long as you take care of business at home and beat either one of Florida State or Notre Dame, I, I think people should be very, you know, very happy about what's going on with this team and very happy looking forward. And speaking of looking forward, our second topic. What does a win like this do for recruiting? Number two. All right. Topic number two. In the recruiting world, it it wasn't a big one for Syracuse, all things considered. This was family weekend, parents weekend in the 315. So a lot of families back, a lot of former Syracuse players back. They honored Ring of Honor legends at halftime. So the Orange were more worried about catering to those guys than they were bringing in the high school prospects for this game. But Liam, what do you think of the recruiting implications of a win like this over a a top 15 team? Well, I think this year as a whole has boosted recruiting and it just is another layer of faith that you can say that Syracuse hasn't had a win like this in over 20 years. Is this program finally starting to rise? Yeah, maybe. But another thing, Ian, I think is fascinating is that I don't think this weekend was – I think this weekend was more basketball recruiting focused than football recruiting because Jim Beheim brought in those two players from the class of 2024 and Elijah Moore and the other one whose name is escaping me. But it just seems like, yeah, it's a big win, but I'm more interested in the bowl game they play in because that, I feel like, Ian, is more high traffic for recruits. I don't think recruits care about whether North Carolina State's backup or starting quarterback was playing. And nobody in their junior year of high school could give less of a crap about what Devin Leary is currently doing with his shoulder right now. I think the most important thing about this win is that it puts Syracuse back in the national scene. You kind of touched on it, but the Orange moving up in the AP poll, even if it's not a, a national topic of conversation, which it probably won't be, when you see that ticker at the bottom of the ESPN screen, Syracuse is is number 14, and they're not moving. Even if Syracuse loses to Clemson, they're probably not dropping out of the top 20. Keeping Syracuse's name in that national conversation, if it can stretch for the whole entire year, that is big for football because it shows that, hey, maybe this program has some staying power. Also, LG, you mentioned the basketball guys. That's important as well because the crowd, the the show out, from Orange Nation, from all of Central New York, packing the dome. Those basketball guys see, hey, if we drum up a little success, right? If we get our program headed in the right direction, people will fill this place. Even though the basketball court is on one side of the end zone, people will still fill the dome for a basketball game as well. Yeah, and Ian, you've talked about the market power Notre Dame football brings. This year's home slate for men's basketball Virginia, North Carolina, and Duke are all coming to the JMA Dome. 
Can you tell me the last time all three of the schools came to Central New York in the same year? At least not in my tenure. Well, absolutely not. I mean, I don't know if that's happened. Syracuse has only been in the ACC for eight years now. So yeah, it doesn't happen often. It yeah, does that's not a happen often. Good little schedule dive that maybe maybe is worth an article on the website, theorangefizz.com. You can check out all of our articles there and also on Twitter at OrangeFizz. Ian Unsworth and Liam Griffin with you, kind of reacting, breaking down everything, all the implications from Syracuse's 24-9 win over NC State. We'll head to topic number three. Was, was there luck involved in this SU win, or is this team actually improving? We'll debate this topic number three. Number three. So, Liam, I ask you this. Is Syracuse improving week by week, or is this another, another example of uh, a weak schedule – and a luck of the draw, Devin Leary takes a late hit against Florida State. And, oh, by the way, Dave Doran neglects to tell the whole entire world until Saturday at 2.15 that his starting quarterback has the torn peck and he's out for the year, even though he probably knew Sunday after the game. Is this a, is this a luck sort of thing? Because the NC State offense was not anywhere close to what it was at the beginning of the season. I think it's a both thing, Ian. I think – while luck does certainly play a factor, this team is getting better week by week. Look, you saw them against Virginia, field goal after field goal. Their red zone offense was much more competent this time around, and the defense too. I understand NC State did not have Devin Leary, but every aspect of the game, whether it be Michael Jones going straight at the middle untouched or the defensive backs making a play, Tony White's schemes just keep getting better and better week by week. And yeah, you can certainly attribute luck to it because NC State was starting and a former FCS guy was making his first start at the FBS level against the top 20 defense in front of a sellout crowd. You can absolutely attribute luck to that. But at the same time, the results are showing. I'd agree in, in both sense. It's, it's a facet of both. If Syracuse plays this game with Devin Leary, they, they could still win this game. Uh, they like certainly could still win the game, even if Devin Leary was healthy, 100% good to go for NC State, because the back end played that well. Um, and Jack Chambers, to his credit, did some good things. I mean, he ran yeah, for he 81 good, yards. Running the ball. In, in his first college, college start at the FBS level, you have to give the guy some credit for trying his hardest. But, yeah, the NC State playbook was limited, uh, so I think this is a bit more luck then it, it was, you know, team success. Garrett Schrader did not have his best day. I think he'll admit that as well. Those picks mm-hmm. were not good decisions. Uh, so I, I think SU is improving, but you didn't see it as much on Saturday. We'll see it this right. Saturday when they play Clemson because nobody on the Tigers is going down with injury. They are all they are fully stacked with five stars. They're ready to go. That D-line is one of the most talented and one of the best in the country. That's when we're going to see how much Syracuse has improved after the bye because, uh, you know, that D-line's nothing to play with, and SU has to run the ball to win. Yeah, it's going to be a fascinating contest in Death Valley because then we'll finally get answered to this question on whether or not it is truly luck, team improvement, or both because, for all we know, DJ Uyunglele could not complete a single pass, but – the opposite is also true. All right. Topic number four, who gets our game balls from Saturday? 
number four. All right, four out of five topics done on this Fizz Five. Liam, I think we'll go one on one offensive player and one defensive player. We'll hand them out one by one. I'll start on the offensive side. Let's give a game ball to Aronde Gadsden. Man, he just keeps on producing. Just keeps on producing. It doesn't matter what coverage you're throwing at him. Robert and I is making adjustments to get him open, and Gadsden keeps on reeling it in. Eight catches, 141 yards, career high, two touchdowns, and this was another complete game from Gadsden. It wasn't just in the first half, and then he goes quiet. He, he made plays all day, and the only other person with more than two catches was Sean Tucker, who garnered a total of 14 yards with those receptions. So there's really only one productive wideout for Syracuse. It's Aronde Gadsden, and that's why he gets my game ball. He's still mine, man. But for the sake of for the sake of not repeating, I will turn my attention elsewhere. And it's a bit of a dark horse candidate. How about Matthew Bergeron, the leader of the offensive line? And that unit as a whole was lights out for the Orange. Sean Tucker averaged seven yards per carry. Garrett Trader averaged five as the Orange in total compiled 179 rushing yards. As individually talented as Tucker and Trader are, you cannot just putting that on them. You need a good offensive line to get good rushing yards. Bergeron is the leader of that unit. I tip my cap to him. He gets my game ball along along with Gadsden for you. And uh, defensively, NC State didn't have a single sack. So that's a great point. This O-line, after a tough performance against Virginia, really cleaned it up. On the defensive side, Liam, I'll let you start. Oh, so kind of you. Uh, I like Michael Jones. People are going to point at Marlon Wax because he led the team in total tackles. But not only did Jones get hurt, he bounced back from it and seven total tackles, including a sack that really felt like the icing on the cake. And in the fourth quarter when NC State was driving down the field in garbage time because that sack lit the dome on fire. He was amped up. He also had an additional tackle for loss in the game, which was sick. I mean, they always are. Just that resiliency – to come back after being down and put the icing on the cake in that manner too. It it was awesome to see. And Michael Jones, I mean, all the attention I feel like defensively has been on Garrett Williams and Deuce Chestnut show some love to the linebacking core. Well, I'd say my DB is getting my game ball because Isaiah Johnson stepped in for Garrett Williams, who went out in the first half after laying a big hit. Williams didn't play for the final three quarters of the game. And Isaiah Johnson, the Dartmouth transfer, stepped up in ACC competition and played really well. Had a crucial pass breakup late in the game uh, and five total tackles. It seems like Tony White's able to recruit guys for depth now, not just to have one one star player, two star players on the outside. Johnson, Jeremiah Wilson, the freshman, also stepped in on the other side when Chestnut went out. Both of those guys played really solid football. And yes, backup quarterback really helps. But both of those guys played really solid football since Johnson played more and he stepped in for SU's lockdown number one cover corner. I'm giving him my game ball. Last but not least, wrapping things up here on this Fizz 5 reaction to Syracuse's 24-9 win over NC State. The team has been transformed this year. And it's partially because of the new coaches that Dino Babers brought in. Liam, I'll pose you this. Number five. Topic number five. 
Has this transformation this season been more on Dio Babers and the changes he's made, or has it been on Robert Anai and the influx of influence that's come from the former Virginia OC? You know that meme where you have the really, really tiny domino and then you push it over and it pushes over a bunch of big dominoes? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yep, that's what has me leaning Dino. If it weren't for Dino Babers, Robert and I would not even be here. So you flash back to the decision a little under a year ago to get rid of the bogeys that was Sterling Gilbert. And you bring in not only Robert and I, but Jason Deck from UVA. And this offense has completely transformed. While you can credit the schemes and whatnot and Trader's improvement to it, I, if it weren't for Dino scooping him in to the 315, who knows what this team looks like? God forbid, we may have Sterling Gilbert as the offensive coordinator again. So it's the butterfly effect, Ian. Every small thing leads to something bigger. And Dino hiring an eye was just that. That's what has me leaning towards Babers. I'm going to completely fault the question entirely. Uh, Liam, I know this is kind of breaking the rules, but it's Tony White. It's not, it's not <laughs> Dino. It's not an eye. This team is consistently winning games because of its defense. It's Tony White. It's, it's the defense is top 15 in the nation in multiple categories, including tops in the ACC and scoring defense. You just held a tw- top 20 team to nine points. Yes, with a backup quarterback, but still to nine points after they ran for over 200 yards on Florida State last week. Tony White is going to get paid this offseason. Mm-hmm. It might not be by Syracuse, which is a very, very scary thing. So Dino Babers has to do everything in his power to keep Tony White in central New York because that Arizona State job is open, Ooh. right? There are multiple other jobs across the country where Tony Tony White could be called upon to be a de- – like, I mean, defensive coordinator at Nebraska will pay you some good money. Wisconsin, yeah. they'll pay you some good money. And those are teams that both need, especially Nebraska, they need – overhauls on defense. So Tony White has come into Syracuse, implemented his scheme and done more with less. I think that's the phrase I keep going back to undersized defensive line. No problem. We got JTS gear making plays by week six, right? (laughs) Three star corners. No problem. We've got three of them in the NFL right now. And we're shipping out two more in a matter of years, right? Linebacking crew, former running back. He's the best blitzer on the team now. Right. Tony White has transformed all these guys into fantastic pro prospects. And that is why it's his it's it's his his unit. That's the reason for SU's success. I'm not disagreeing with that whatsoever. I mean, you said it, Ian. Syracuse is going to need to open up the brink truck if they want Tony White to stick around because he is one of, if not the most valuable head coaching candidates on the radar right now, at least from my vantage point. So I, I get what you're saying. I really do. And I think there's a lot of validity to that. And if Tony White doesn't stick around, well, next year could look all very, very different for Syracuse. But right now, let's just let the good times roll. Syracuse 6-0. 6-0 for the first time since 1987. The Orange are going bowling. You can already get a celebratory insert bowl here t-shirt from yeah, Syracuse. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that real quick? Oh, man. You got to get a t-shirt with the actual bowl on it. Make are the you gonna, trip, Are man. you going to buy one? Are you gonna no, buy one? I'm, gonna, I'm going to get the souvenirs from the actual bowl game, please and thank okay. you. Hopefully, okay. it's the Orange Bowl or something nice in the South, so everyone up here in the 315 gets a little vacation, get their tan I, on. 
wouldn't be opposed before before the orange hit hit a bowl game that's going to wrap it up here on this fizz five recapping the orange's first ranked on ranked matchup win in the dome since 2001 24 to 9 su takes it over nc state for liam griffin ian unsworth saying so long and go orange and that's your fizz five listen next week Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.